Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight online and uh, looking forward to sharing a little bit of my heart with you uh, this evening and want to say that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. So uh, let's just open with a word of prayer tonight that the Lord, now remember as if you're joining us online, uh, our church this week has been fasting, not asking God for anything. And uh, so we want to just worship and praise him as we open up this uh, time together. So Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. And we're so thankful, God, that your word is precious and that it still is active in our lives tonight. And I'm praying, God, that you would just uh, receive all of our thoughts and our prayers as we begin to open up your word and begin to look at some of the things that have affected us and allowed us to become more like you. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us either online or we've still got some people coming in on Zoom. And uh, we're thankful for the technology that's there that allows us to be with you tonight. Uh, tonight's going to be just a little bit different, uh, a little bit maybe more casual. Um, you might want to have a, a pen and paper handy if you don't have one. Uh, as I'm talking, you can grab one. Um, not because there's going to be something that I say or do that's so profound necessarily. But what I want to share with you, you might want to jot some of these down. Um, somebody asked me just a few weeks ago um, how I go about getting my messages and, and lessons and things of that nature. And, um, you know, I'd like to say that God stuck his head out of the clouds every week and said, here, preach this. But uh, a lot of what um, I share with you on a weekly basis is years old, that God laid in my heart uh, a long time ago that at certain points in time, he brings back to my memory and says, now is the time for this to take place. And so tonight I want to kind of just share with you kind of how that has worked for me um, and, and share with you. I'm, I'm not a very good note taker. Now I know there's some people on here that can take absolute fantastic notes while somebody is speaking. Um, I, I'm not very good at that. Uh, and I'm not really good at journaling. Uh, I do okay, but it just is not my forte. But what I do enjoy and what I have done really probably since I was 16 or 17 is when somebody makes a statement or I read something or I hear something, um, I jot those statements down and they usually come back um, to give me a lot of what uh, uh, is contained in my teaching and preaching and, and uh, speaking to people. And really, how I have formed my life in a lot of ways and how God has molded me um, because I believe that he has allowed me to grab some of these statements. And, and I'm, so I'm just going to kind of go through. I've got about oh, 20 pages of uh, just quotes that I've written down. I might, if, you, if you looked at my study Bible, um, sometimes it's even hard to see the actual scripture because of the things that I've written and jotted down over the years um, as the Lord has laid it on my heart. And uh, I wish that I could give the proper credit to everybody that said every one of these statements, um, but I can't. I just wrote them down. I wrote them into my Bible or I wrote them in my notebook. And, and I've got a notebook here that 
you know, these are kind of adages, I guess, that I live by and that I, or I try to live by. I don't always succeed, but they're, they're good reminders for me um, to take the next step in my journey with him. And I believe that our journey with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord is absolutely vital. In fact, it's the, it's the number one thing in our lives um, is our relationship with Christ. And so I, I just felt on Sunday or Saturday morning, uh, my wife and I were at the church really early and uh, just starting to get ready for Sunday. And we had dropped my mother-in-law the, at the airport so that she could head back to Delaware. And uh, so we were there early and I picked up my book of sayings or the book that I have that I've jotted things down. And, and I just felt uh, that the Lord would have me share that with you tonight. So it's not necessarily a specific lesson. I'm going to jump kind of all around and uh, let you hear some of these statements um, that I've, I've written down in the past. So the first one that I'll share with you is, is simply this. Albert Einstein said this, I never think of the future, it comes fast enough. I never think of the future, it comes fast enough. Uh, and and I've, I've kind of tried to live my, I'm, I, I'm not one of those business people that can have a five-year plan and, and lay it all out and, and set all my goals because um, the scripture to me that says, uh, if you're born of the Spirit, you'll be led of the Spirit. And uh, what I have found in my life is that God doesn't give me 50 steps in advance. He lets me see the next step and where I go. Now, does that mean I don't plan and I don't, I, I do plan. Uh, my wife has taught me how to plan as well. And we've worked together in doing some of those things. But when we make a plan, it's always with the idea in mind that at any moment in time, God can disrupt that plan. And God can change that plan. And, uh, and so when I read that years ago from Albert Einstein, it just it stuck out to me. And it's kind of the way I've patterned some of what I do. Another statement that I wrote here, the promised land is always on the other side of the wilderness. The promised land is always on the other side of the wilderness. You know, in our journey with God, we always, I preached a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago about the destination versus our destiny and not to let our destination distract us from our destiny. Uh, we get stuck sometimes expecting to have the promised land just show up or, or what God has chosen for us. And the promised land is on the, we have to go through some things to get to where God wants us to be. And, be, and the reason we have to sometimes go through the wilderness is it prepares us for the territory that God is preparing us for, planning to give us. I believe that, um, well, we know because their hearts weren't ready uh, outside of the two spies, Caleb and Joshua, that the men and the, the children of Israel weren't ready for the promised land. They needed to be in the wilderness for a while. And so the promised land is always on the other side of the wilderness. Uh, another saying that I have attempted, uh, this one is a little bit more because I like to have all my ducks in a row before I jump at anything, but uh, William Shedd said this, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Ships in harbor are safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Uh, God didn't create us to be in a safe spot. God created us 
to walk this journey with him and to be led on an adventure with him. Uh, I remember Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song, The Great Adventure, years and years ago. And uh, and that's exactly what God wants us. If If your walk with God is not adventurous, just hold on because the adventure is coming. Uh, if you're hand in hand with him, he's going to bring you into all kinds of places that uh, you may not have even imagined going. And uh, so in the years, again, that I've read, and I go back over these quite often, and the Lord will speak at different times for some of these. Um, President Kelvin Coolidge said this, no person has ever been honored for what he or she has received. Honor has only been given as a reward for what they gave. No person has ever been honored for what he or she received. Honor has been given as a reward for what they gave. Um, it, it's the biblical principle, it's better to give than to receive. As we give, we are opening ourselves up for more of the move of God. And uh, so this, this state, statement from President Coolidge um, has often popped up into my mind through the years when I start having that pity party that says, well, God, why aren't you doing this for me? Why am I not getting this? Why, am I, why isn't this working for me? And, and these words of, of President Coolidge come back to me and say, your honor will come as you empty yourself out to me. As you begin to give, then I will give. And I will move. And, and I think there's sometimes that we miss out on some of the things that God wants to place into our life simply because um, we don't want to let go. There was another one uh, that, that said um, the, where I got it from was one of our teachers in college. Her name was Nanette Bryson at the time. And she said, I have held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But what I placed in God's hands, I still possess. You see, we try to hold on so tightly to some things and God is wanting to give it back or get us give it to him and then we'll still hold on to it because his hands are much bigger than our hands. And so between what President Coolidge said and Nanette Bryson said, that has kind of formed my perspective through the years on giving of my time, my energy, my resources, uh, and, and the more you give, the more opportunity you are creating in your life to give. And every time I've given, I've never gone without. God's always provided for me and my family. A lady by the name of Mary Case said this one time. It's a very short one. It just said, no pressure, no diamonds. No pressure, no diamonds. Um, uh, uh, there's another story that I read, and I've I've used it in several of my um, sermons, and that is when Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. He tells the story about how he's in the plane, and it's just before the the sonic uh, boom, if you will. And he 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 says the pressure the cabin became so pressurized he thought he was going to it started rattling it started uh, the the gauges all started going and then as soon as the sound barrier was broken he said it was absolutely still and calm and beautiful and uh, so between those two that story and the concept that no pressure no diamonds through my years I've learned that. When I start feeling a bunch of pressure, it's really not to bring me down. It's to prepare me that there's going to be something that 
um, for lack of a better term, breaks the sound barrier, and and I'm going to step into something and collect diamonds from the pressure that he's that he's allowing me to go through. Um, if we just had an easy breezy, no problem life that that God gave us, uh, we wouldn't be able to cherish uh, what He's actually given to us and what He's done in our lives. It's through the pressure of life and the pressure pressure of our situations that God creates diamonds. And the more pressure, there's very few, if I, I can't think of any really off the top of my head, of testimonies of people that usually when we honor somebody or we test, testify about somebody, it's because of what they endured, what they persevered, what they went through, and they came out on the other side, or they always stood for that which was right, even in the midst. Very rarely do we ever talk about the person that never had a problem, that never felt pressure, that never overcame the odds, that just everything worked out just perfect for me, never had anything to worry about, or that, that's not who we talk about. It's the people that have gone through some things, have dealt with them, some things, that have had the pressures of life, and in all of that, it's created a, a, a diamond, if you will. Um, I even mentioned this one on Sunday. This came out in my preaching, I believe, on Sunday, but God promised us a safe landing, not a calm passage. God promised us a safe landing, not a calm passage. In fact, uh, in, in the New Testament, when you read, in, I can't remember the exact chapter, but Jesus sends his disciples across the sea. It's right after the feeding of the 5,000. He puts them in boats, and he sends them across, and he knew, I'm sure, that there was getting ready to be a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't going to be a calm passage. It was going to be rocky. It was going to be something that uh, they were going to be tossed and turned and twisted, and, and, and fear would set in. And in the midst of that, uh, God didn't, Jesus at the time was saying, we're going to get to the other side. He didn't promise that it was going to be easy. He just promised that they were going to get there. Um, just kind of going down through some of these, I, I, like I said at the beginning, it's not really a lesson per se, but I'm just bringing out some of the, the things that God has impressed on me through the years. Uh, there are too many people serving God with a handshake instead of an embrace. There are too many people serving God with a handshake instead of an embrace, keeping God at arm's reach and not not bringing them not bringing the Lord into their heart and into their embrace. They're, they're, they they're good as long as they can serve God from a distance, as long as social distancing is in order with God, and God's not wanting to be socially distant with us. He's wanting to embrace us. He's wanting our hearts to meld together. He's wanting us to have a relationship with Him. And uh, it, it behooves us to uh, disconnect the handshake and go for the embrace. I want to grab a hold of my Lord and Savior. Um, this is one that I've used in premarital counseling quite a bit, but it applies all across the board. Love is not blind. It sees more, not less. But because it sees more, it is willing to see less. Love isn't blind. It sees all of the good, all of the bad, but because love sees all of the all of the the full picture he said that love says okay i'm not going to take look at all the negatives put it to you this way the bible says this in first john god is love and so god looks at us and he recognizes how miserable we are how 
how fallow we are, how shallow we are. He, he, he realizes all the junk of our life, but he also realizes what we are in him and what he created us to be. And he sees the, and because he loves us, he's willing to not look at the negative stuff and, and then uh, allow us to uh, be a part of what he really decides for us. Pastor Trout preached this several years ago, so this is going back into the late 80s when I was in Delaware. He said this, doubts are not lethal until they overtake your beliefs. Doubts are not lethal until they overtake your beliefs. I'm uh, amazed when I think about that because uh, through the years I have noticed oftentimes that people that are trying to follow Christ, they, they beat themselves up because they've doubted God or they've doubted what's going on. Listen, God knows when we doubt. We, we, the re, one of the reasons that we have a problem with doubting is uh, because we've labeled Thomas as doubting Thomas, and it's almost become a negative term that he doubted that Christ was alive. And, uh, and I understand where that kind of comes from. However, the doubts were not lethal because it didn't overtake his belief. He still believed in Christ, and when he saw Christ, he fell on his knees and declared to Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. So don't penalize yourself. Don't beat yourself up because of your doubts. Uh, the disciples said it this way, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. We'll all have doubts from time to time. We'll all have doubts when we see everything that's going on, but don't let those doubts overtake your belief in the fact that God is in control. Uh, kind of going hand in hand with that, uh, this one I, I have leaned on several times in our lives, uh, in my family's life. And that is to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the power of the storm. To, to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the power of the storm. You don't know how strong God is until you're in the midst of a storm. There have been so many storms in my life. There's been so many times where uh, I, I, it was darkness all around and the waves were beating against me and and I was being tossed and turned, but I realized how strong Christ was as my anchor because I realized how strong the, the, the winds were and the waves were and the turbulence was, and yet I was still able to stay connected to him because he is a powerful anchor. Um, at, at Spirit of Grace, you've probably heard me say this, this one, uh, and that is simply this. Faith will get you into as much trouble as it will get you out of. Faith will get you into as much trouble as it will get you out of. Uh, because God didn't design us for comfort. God designed us to walk through lion's dens and, and fiery furnaces and prison houses and all kinds of things, midst of storms and ridicule and rejection. Um, but at the same time, uh, that faith will get you out of all of that too. But it'll take you there and it'll take you out. Uh, just be faithful. Uh, I did a series one time. Uh, it's been probably 15 or 20 years ago on what it means to be successful. And uh, I, I read this statement back then. It said this, to someone that is successful, they just fit together the, pri uh, the pieces of failure. To someone that is successful, they just fit together the pieces of failure. Nobody is successful at the, the first try. Uh, a lot of us that are listening tonight are 
perfection freaks, artists. They want everything to be perfect the first time. They don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to fall flat on their face. But uh, tied together with this, I think it was Albert Einstein that said uh, when one of his uh, one of his uh, projects failed, uh, the, somebody asked him, well, doesn't that trouble you that it didn't work that way and that was a failure? He said, no, I didn't fail. I just figured out that that wasn't the way it was going to work. And so you went on to you just fit the pieces of all your failures together. And eventually when you fit enough pieces of failure together, you become successful. Uh, again, if you're just joining us online, I'm just kind of sharing some uh, sayings that I've written down through the years, some adages that uh, allow me to kind of, well, allows God to form my life. It just speaks to my life. And I wanted to share some of these with you tonight. Um, passion will drive you into arenas where talent can never take you. Passion will drive you into arenas where talent can never take you. Uh, I wish I was the most talented uh, in, in anything, but but I'm not. But my passion can get me to places where my talent will never get me there. As long as I follow the passion that God has put in me to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, He'll, the, the talent will take care of itself. The passion will get me into the arena. Um, I, I like this. Wanda Phillips said this. The sea is a bunch of raindrops that got together. The sea is a bunch of raindrops that got together. Uh, there's nothing that churches and groups of people cannot do when they're united. Uh she said it this way, this, the sea is a bunch of raindrops that got together. God said it in Genesis 11 when he saw at the Tower of Babel, he said that they are all of one language, of, of, of one mind, and now, the, now they're able to do whatever they imagine to do. When people unite together, it's amazing at what can, can be accomplished through the power of God and through the power of unity. And uh, so every time you see the next... Uh, lake or sea or ocean just remember it's just a bunch of raindrops that have united and gotten together um i'll, I'll say this one i mentioned this in church a couple of weeks ago and and realized that as, as i was saying it probably at least a quarter of our church didn't know what i was talking about and that was simply this sometimes god sometimes god calls collect and we have refused to accept the charges sometimes god calls collect some of us don't know what call and collect is anymore because we have our cell phones and whatever else. But back in the day when you didn't have money to pay for it, you could call collect and let the person that was answering the phone pay for the fees for that phone call. And, and back in the day, uh, that saying came out and it just it spoke to me uh, that said, you know, God sometimes is calling collect. Are you willing to accept what he's offering? I like this one as well. This one. This one has taught me how to look at people and recognize that we're not all the same, even though we may be united. And that is this, God is like a mirror. He never changes, but everyone that looks into him sees something different. God is like a mirror and uh, he, he never changes, but everybody that looks into him sees something different. And uh, that, that lets me uh, understand that we're all different, but we're all serving the same God. We all have different personalities, different viewpoints, different ideas. 
Um, but he sees, we see him differently in many places. Um, I wrote this down. This I remember writing this one down. This was, uh, we were in the middle of a, what, an old-fashioned revival service, which for those of you that don't know what that is, is we used to go Tuesday through Sunday. Every night we would have a, a church service. We'd take Mondays off and we'd start again on Tuesday and go every night of the week uh, and two, two or three times on Sunday. And I remember in the middle of one of these, we'd, we would bring in a guest speaker and a fiery preacher, if you will, and I, I can't remember who it was that was preaching, but he made this statement and it stuck out to me because this, this is a statement back from when I was in, in high school. It was this, I was born in the fire and I refused to sit in the smoke. I was born in the fire and I refused to sit in the smoke. And uh, when the Holy Ghost comes, uh, it's like Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And I've got to keep that fire burning. I don't want it to smolder. I don't want it to go out. I don't want to sit there with the fire going out and the smoke enveloping me. I was born in the fire. I want to stay in the fire. Um, this one is, is interesting. And this is the reason why children's ministry is so important in my mind. Uh, and, and working with young people and kids, especially real young kids. And I, I can't remember where I read this, but it, it's spoken to me for several years. The cure for crime is not the electric chair, it's the high chair. The cure for, the, for crime is not the electric chair. It's, uh, I, I do remember kind of when this came out, uh, was back when I was getting close to finishing up high school. Um, capital punishment was a big topic of conversation um, in, in our, one of our science or history classes or social studies classes. And I think that's where that came from. This one excited, excites me. The stone at Jesus tomb was just a pebble to the rock of ages inside. Think about that. The, that huge stone that took multiple people to move, that took angels to guard and, uh, they had to roll it in front of the the, the tomb was just a pebble. You know, it was just, it was nothing holding Christ back. That's how powerful and almighty he is. And if I may have a boulder in my way, but if I have the rock of ages inside, that's just a pebble. That's just something that, that I have to just flick away. I, I can toss that aside through the power of almighty God. And uh, again, these are just some of the... The, the, the statements. Um, one of the things that I remember, one of my jobs in college uh, for Kent Christian was changing the sign every week. And uh, I hated that <laughs> because to come up with a nice saying that pleased everybody as they drove by. So some of these, I remember finding these and writing these down as well. Um, when we pray for rain, we must be willing to put up with some mud. We pray for the rain of the Holy Ghost. We pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit. We, the scripture says the latter and the former rain together. We want that rain to come. We want those, the, the power of God and the anointing of God to, to fall. And yet we don't want to put up with any change or any transformation. We don't want to put up with any of the things that uh, would cause us to have to 
clean ourselves off because we've been stuck in mud. And, uh, but if we want the reins of the Holy Ghost, we need to be willing to put up uh, with, some, with some mud and some dirt. I preached a message just before we uh, started our building program here, and that is uh, our, our God's it's going to get messy. And not just physically did it get messy, but we've got all kinds of people, including myself, that have just been a mess that God has taken and made a message of. And so uh, we're thankful that the rains have fallen and we'll deal with the mud and we'll let God clean the mud up and, and, and make us right and purify us and cleanse us. This one, I, this one is, I thought of this one, I, I drive home from Minneapolis to Coon Rapids to get home and if I hit the traffic at the wrong time on 35W, it's bumper to bumper, and and uh, I get irritated about it. But this this statement kind of came from that. There is no traffic jam on the straight and narrow road. There's no traffic jam on the straight and narrow road. Uh, the import, most important things in life are not things. The most important things in life are not things. Uh Pastor Gleason preached a message one time, and uh, he made this statement. He said, when you fall, pick something up. When you fall, we're all going to fall from time to time, but every time we fall, if we pick something up, it'll help us from falling again uh, down the road. Um, let's see here. There's a couple other ones. Uh, this one here is one that I have tried to practice um, as a minister of the word, and that is simply this. The most important word in the Bible is let, L-E-T. When we have permission to just let it be, let it go, let it get done. Uh, when, when God just, that, that's the most important word of the Bible, let. Let God do it. Let God take control of it. When I let him and when, he, and when I let others do what God's asking them to do, I may not even understand why they're wanting to do something for God, but God is using the word let, let that person go and let them begin to be what God has designed them to be. Praise God. Uh, just, uh, again, I'm just reading through some of these. There, there's this one, I remember this one. This was in, uh, I had a, a gentleman come and preach a youth revival for us um, in Kansas City. His name was Tom Trimble. Great man of God, great preacher. And he preached on uh, Lot and his wife coming from Sodom and Gomorrah. And he made this statement, Lot's wife tried to grab two worlds and lost them both. Lot's wife tried to grab two worlds and lost them both. There's too many of us that try to do that. We try to hang on to the things of the world when we're trying to grasp the things of eternity. You can't grab both of them. You have to only take after one or you're going to lose them both. And there's a lot of Christians today that are struggling because they're trying to hold on to two worlds. The Bible says it this way. We are strangers and foreigners. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And so when you let go of the world, you grab a hold of eternity. And when you try to grab a hold of both, you're, you're going to lose both of them. I liked this one because... I tend to think of myself as fairly educated, uh, and this statement um, speaks volumes to me. It says, most of us are more educated than our level of obedience. 
Most of us are more educated than our level of obedience. We can explain things, but when God asks us to do something, we don't obey. We can break things down. We can plan things. We can uh, deconstruct and reconstruct, and we can do all kinds of things on an educational level. But when God says to reach out to our neighbor, we disobey. Uh, again, these are things that God has allowed uh, me to grab a hold of through the years. Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Jeff Harpole, was preaching one time, and I don't know if this originated with him, but this, for me, this is where it originated, this is where I heard it first, was in one of his messages, he, he made this statement, nothing ever occurs to God. Have you ever used that statement? Well, it just occurred to me. Well, nothing ever occurs to God. God knows it all. He already knows what you're going to deal with tomorrow. He knows what's going on in your life. It doesn't just occur to him that, oh, you're struggling. It doesn't just occur to him that you're doing well. It doesn't occur to him. There's nothing that occurs to God. God knows it all. God knows it all. This one strikes at the heart and has challenged me several times in my life, and that is this. What we do every day is what we believe. All the rest is just religious speak. What we do every day is what we believe. All the rest is just religious speak. There's a lot of people that on Sundays they're super Christians and on Mondays they don't know what Christianity is. And what you believe is what you will be 24-7. All the extra things are just religious uh, maneuverings. Um. This is something that I hope we never forget. The highest place we can reach in this life is to be bowed low at the feet of Jesus. There's no place that's higher than in the throne room with the Lord. Boldly go into the throne of grace. I mentioned this on Sunday, living for God is fun. I, I, that's one that I wrote down. Because there's some times where life gets so bogged down and we think that living for God is just a, it's just a, a walking through mud. It's depressing, despair, you get frustrated with people. But listen, if you change your mindset and understand that the great adventure, uh, there's valleys and there's peaks and there's rain and there's snow and there's sun and there's a cool breeze and there's humidity. It's, it's, you get it all with God and uh, it can be fun if you'll allow it two um when a friend asks there is no tomorrow when a friend asks there is no tomorrow you know friendship is interesting but sometimes we put off too often when a friend reaches out when a friend asks there's no tomorrow when a friend asks we just need to do it just need to step up to the plate to the best of our ability and meet the need that they're asking for. Um, hatred is like acid. It can do more damage to the vessel it abides in um, than to the object into which it is poured. That which the hatred, it's an acid. It eats from the inside out. And when we allow hatred into our lives, it's just destroying us, not who we're around. It's, it's, it's hurting us more um, than then it's hurting anybody else. Give hatred over to God. It's a work of the flesh, according to the scripture. And, and we need to release that to the Lord. 
Um, this was based off of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the, the chapter on charity or love. Charity gives itself rich and covetousness hoards itself poor. I'll say that again. Charity gives itself rich and covetousness hoards itself poor. The more you hold on to something, the poorer you're going to become. The more you give it away, the more you're going to be enriched. And that's not just talking about money. In fact, the statement says charity, love. Love gives itself rich. Covetousness hoards itself poor. Um, we make a, even though the Bible says judge not, we're making judgments all day long. And, and I found this one to be interesting. The injuries that we do to somebody and those injuries that we suffer are seldom weighed on the same balance. Well, that speaks to me because when I'm hurt, that balance is really heavy. And I don't realize the balance that it places when I offend somebody or I hurt somebody. We don't, we don't weigh it the same way. And that's human nature. But if we could ever get to the same where, it's, where I am just as concerned about hurting somebody as I am about getting hurt, then this world would become a whole lot better, I believe. Um, I thought of this one, I, th I think I wrote this one down about the time that my dad passed away. And it was simply this, sorrow like rain makes roses and mud. Sorrow like rain makes roses and mud. There's always a bright spot in the midst of the mud. Um, and, and, and the more I thought about that, the Bible says in the old song, old hymn says, he brought me out of the miry clay. God looked at a bunch of mud and saw a brightness in me and a brightness in you and chose us uh, to be his. Um, <laughs> I like this one. Uh, I think I got this one from Dave Norris, but I'm not sure. All people smile in the same language. All people smile in the same language. Uh, we're going to challenge that here in the coming weeks, having to wear masks and things, but the smile is always in the same language. Um, this one, this came just not too long ago to me. Don't spend your days stringing and tuning your instrument. Start playing some music. I think this happened on a Sunday before church, and I was watching Brian and Preston get their guitars ready for the service. And uh, as I was reading something, that it, it kind of came up. Don't spend your days stringing or tuning your instruments. Start playing some music. And uh, sometimes we get so, we've got to have everything in place. Can I just tell you that none of us have it all together before we do what God wants us to do? None of us do. We're, we're all walking by faith. Uh, we mentioned earlier, he doesn't give us 50 feet in front of us. He gives us one step. And uh, the longer we stand at where we're at and don't take that leap and don't take that jump, the longer we're not doing anything. And the longer we stay in one place, the harder it becomes when God is just wanting to get us, take a step, trust that he's got you, trust that he knows what he's doing, 
and, and begin to uh, walk with him. Um, I, I read this, this statement several years ago, and I was dealing with somebody that was dealing with the shame of sin. And uh, because when they came to Christ, they thought, well, sinning was over. They thought when they got a hold of Christ and Christ got a hold of them, it was going to be smooth sailing. It was going to be, um, you know, they were going to be pure as the wind-driven snow. And, and uh, But then I saw this statement. I was able to share it with them. Relationship with Jesus may not keep you from sinning, but it takes the joy out of it. May not keep you from sinning, but it takes the joy out of it. And when it takes the joy out of it, you don't want to do it as often. Uh, part of the reason that people get stuck in their sin is they've learned how to enjoy whatever it is that they're doing. And, and when you come to Christ, it may not prevent you from doing that, but it'll take the joy out of it. And eventually taking the joy out of it, it makes it to where you don't want to be a part of that anymore. Uh, the foolish man seeks happiness in the distance. The wise man grows it under his feet. Uh, I heard a pastor dealing with, in a leadership convention, talking about people uh, growing where they're planted. And the foolish man seeks happiness in the distance. It's always somewhere else. Uh, it's the old saying, it's greener on the other side of the fence. Anywhere you look, it's like you're all, you'd be happy if I was over there. I'll be happy if I have this job, or I'll be happy if I have this home, or I'll be happy if I do this. And in all actuality, the wise man grows that happiness under his feet, right where he's at. And uh, another saying, and maybe not as spiritual, but you'll just have to pick up on it, and that is, it may be greener on the other side of the fence because there's more fertilizer, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so you have to be careful what you're wanting in life. Um, worry. All of us worry to some extent, but worry is simply a mental and emotional tornado. It's a dog chasing its tail. When you worry, you're not accomplishing anything. You're just spinning in circles. And as you're spinning in circles, you're bringing destruction like a tornado brings destruction. Mentally and emotionally, that worry is wearing you down and tearing you down. And uh, the Bible says this, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Uh, this one is is very good. Uh, again, I, I can't take credit for any of these. These are ones that are speaking into my life, and I'm sharing them with you tonight. One who is afraid of lying is usually afraid of nothing else. One who is afraid of lying is usually afraid of nothing else. Because one lie will lead to a second lie, and then you're in a web of lies, and that's then you start fearing everything. But if you can be honest in everything, it makes everything else uh, fearless. A smooth sea never made an expert mariner. A smooth sea. I actually think I got this one from my grandfather. Uh, Grandpa Stenson was in the Navy, and... Uh, uh, through hearing whatever, uh, he may have quoted this from somebody else, but I think that's where I got it. A smooth sea never made an expert mariner. You don't become an expert in operating a ship or a boat or anything if it's just calm. You just don't. 
It's when you're challenged. It's when you have to figure out what the waves are going to do, what the current's going to do, what the, the, the lightning and thunder and all that's going on around you. When those kinds of things, you'll figure out how to be uh, a good uh, mariner or not. When you begin to coast, you know you're on the downgrade. See, a lot of us would just like to coast. We're just, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten tired? Have you ever gotten weary? You've just gotten tired of fighting and climbing and pushing. And But know this, that if you end up coasting, you're on a downhill uh, trajectory. You, you are on a downgrade. You are, you are giving up the heights that God wants you to walk in. And so don't, don't betray the fight. Don't betray the climb. Continue to climb. Continue to move. Continue to uh, do the things that will get you a little bit higher because you never want to start that slide down. You always want to be going, I press towards the prize of the calling of Christ Jesus. Keep, keep, keep pushing. Um, just a couple of more and then we'll be done here tonight. But God will not look you over for medals, degrees, or diplomas. He'll look you over for scars. He'll look you over for scars. Have you been through the battlefield? Have you fought? Has something hit that you, but yet you still stood strong? You've still been faithful. Uh, there's a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of degrees after their names and letters after their names and diplomas and medals and honors. But God's not looking for those. He's looking for scars. He's looking for battle scars in prayer warriors. He's looking for battle scars in intercessors. He's looking for battle scars in worshipers and, and, and preachers and, and teachers and those that are trying to raise godly children. And he's looking for those kinds of scars. And uh, when he sees those scars, he can be, he'll be well pleased. Uh, tied together, I just saw this one, but tied together... On the other, when I just said, when you begin to coast, you know you're on the downgrade. You can't slide uphill. You can't slide uphill. Uh, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to climb. Um, this, this probably goes with uh, boys and girls, men and women. Um, but the saying that I found was, it was in a men's book. Um, Building boys is easier than mending men. Or building girls is easier than mending women. Building it at, at the foundational level uh, is a lot easier. Uh, it's, it's tiring. Uh, it, it takes constant attention. But it's easier than if you allow them to get older and then you're trying to fix it. Uh, and, and so building boys or girls is easier than mending men or women. Um. I've got, I've got three more, and then, and then we'll be done tonight. Poise is the art of raising the eyebrows instead of the roof. <laughs> Poise is the art of raising the eyebrows instead of the roof. Self-control, self-temperance. Uh, poise is when you're in that, that heated moment, and you're able to just look at it and walk away instead of blowing the top and, and destroying that which you're trying to deal with. Um, and, and the last two is this, it is better to wear out than rust out. It's better to wear out than rust out. 
And uh, there are seasons in our lives where we do get tired and it's biblical to find places of rest, to rejuvenate, to take vacation, to, to do those kinds of things. But ultimately, I would rather be the vehicle that has 500,000 miles on it, the brakes are shot, the axle's shot, the, the alignment's out of alignment, and the fenders and bumpers are falling off than to be that nice brand new car that has sat in a lot and everything has just turned to rust. I would rather live than just to exist. And uh, it's always better to wear out than to rust out. And then the last one I want to share to you with you tonight because um, it speaks volumes and it kind of ties all of this together. And it's something that I've been working on in my life and I'm still working on and probably will work on until Jesus comes. But that is simply this statement. Don't lessen the lesson. Don't lessen the lesson. L-E-S-S-E-N, the L-S-S-O-N. Don't lessen the lesson. God is a master teacher. Uh, he is somebody that will always try to uh, add knowledge and wisdom to your walk. And so don't lessen the lesson. Don't, don't just go through things to get out of things. Uh, I've made this statement several times. I think sometimes we pray ourselves out of situations that God wants to teach us in the midst of. And sometimes we get to, uh, uh, we want to be delivered so badly from the situation that we fail to realize that he's trying to deliver us through a situation. Don't lessen the lesson. Make sure you learn so that the next time, you, some of us go through things over and over again because we didn't take the time to learn it the first time. Because what I have found in just under 50 years of living is that the vast majority of humanity is stubborn. We are stubborn. We want it our way, and nobody can tell us different, including God. But if we ever can get ourselves to receive the lessons of God and not to lessen the lesson, but to grab a hold of it and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? What are you trying to teach me in this circumstance? What are you trying to do for me? Let me hear your voice clearly because I don't want to diminish what you're actually doing and saying in Jesus name. I, I hope this, I know this is kind of a different night and I've just kind of hit everywhere um, and, and done a little bit of everything, but I just, I, I just felt strongly Sunday as I was looking at these to be able to share with you some of the things that have helped me through the years uh, to become what I am uh, and, and to see where I'm still going. And I, I challenge you to find a, a journal or a notebook and maybe you can't do it like a diary like some people can. We had, there was a pastor friend of ours. Uh, he, was, he was an older gentleman than, I, than, than my wife and I, but he was one of the pastors in Kansas City before Pastor Gleason uh, took the church there. And he came back for a reunion. It blew my mind. He came back for a re, a re, an anniversary, not a reunion. He came back for an anniversary and he pulls out from his car. He's got four or five books with him. And this gentleman every day for years wrote down diary type things in a journal. And he started sharing some things of specific dates and times uh, in the history of 
the Life Church in Kansas City when he was pastoring. It was amazing. That That's not me and that may not be you, but I encourage you to just, when you see something, write it down, text it to yourself so that you don't lose it. Uh, I'm doing that all of the time. All the time, I'll just text it and then I'll add it to my book later um, because these little sayings, and then go back over it from time to time and read them because they give you perspective and a lot of times what happens is you'll see something in the situation you're in and you'll see something that you wrote down years ago. Like I said, there are things in in here that, that I wrote down years and years ago that still come back um, in, in the front cover of my study Bible on two different occasions. The first time was in 1989 in my homiletics class, which is a bunch of us students preaching to each other and learning how to preach, which was a scary thought at the time. And, uh, but every once in a while, God moved. And uh, in one of those classes, uh, our, our teacher was Don Schner. She just let the presence of God go. And, and at the end of, I can't remember who preached, but at the end of that message, at the end of that lesson, um, uh, the presence of God just fell. And we had tongues and interpretation. And at the close of that class, uh, she had us sit down and write in the front of our Bible exactly what he, what God said to us that day. And it was basically uh, encapsulating it. I don't have to worry about my inabilities and shortcomings. He's going to make up for all of that. I just need to do what he asks me to do. And then it was about 12 or 13 years later in a service in Kansas City, we had a tongue interpretation that was exactly the same as that classroom. So I've got it written down in my Bible twice, but I go back to that all the time. Write these things down. Keep a notebook or a journal. I know we've got people in our church that are meticulous note takers and, uh, and they write everything down and it's, it's fun. I'm amazed to see it, but it'll help us all grow uh, in days to come. Praise God. I want to encourage you to stay strong, stay faithful walk in the will of the Lord. want to remind all of you that are watching on Facebook and, and on Zoom, uh, if you're a member of Spirit of Grace Church, uh, our state has enacted a mandatory face mask policy for all public spaces, which is including our churches. So this Sunday, we're asking you all to wear a face mask. Uh, we want you to, to, to bring your own if possible. We'll have some there, but um, we, we're not sure how long those will be available uh, to purchase very often. Um, and don't let that hinder us from the presence of God because the Lord wants to meet with us. So we pray that you have a great week and we will see you all on Sunday. Thanks for joining us on Facebook. God bless you and we'll see you this weekend.